gentlemen, welcome aboard the Athletics Can't Wait Jets podcast, your nonstop shop for all things Jets. Now here are your hosts, Tim McMaster and Connor Hughes. Listen safely. Can't wait! The Jets couldn't wait till morning to announce their new head coach, so we're here for Can't Wait After Dark. Tim McMaster with Connor Hughes and Marissa Morris. Robert Sala is the guy coming over from the 49ers, the defensive coordinator there, has reached an agreement in principle to bring all that intensity to the East Coast and MetLife Stadium as the new head coach of the New York Jets. Thanks for joining this emergency edition of the pod. Lots to get to. Please subscribe to the pod wherever you're listening, whether it's on YouTube or on Apple or wherever, and give us a five-star rating and review. Connor, let's get right into it. The Jets moved quickly here. They went through the system. They went through the first round. They get to the second round. They interview their guys. What yeah. stood out about Salah? Uh, that's the funny thing, man, is you, is you just touched upon it, is that he wasn't the guy that when they started compiling their list of, of players that or coaches, I should say, obviously you can tell my head's going to be – or my – Brain's gonna be all over the place right now. I went from trying to figure out Jedi and Sith and and why they're talking about like uh, what's his face uh, Samuel Jackson is saying like the Sith are extinct and I'm like what's going on with there and somebody at the jet like uh, Jared who's one of the Jets media relations guy like texted me which should have been like code like one like why is Jared up at like 10:30 like it should have been like one of the things where I was like huh maybe something's coming but I was like what's going on here like I don't get this and like all of a sudden like I look down and I see Josina's tweet and I was like huh. So I checked in with two of the people I know and they were like, yeah, that's true. And I was like, well, because I'm not going to bed anymore. So I'm like all all over the place right now. But as you said, I mean, yeah, he was Robert Sala was not the original guy that was atop the Jets list of this is the candidate that I want to be this team's head coach, you know, and and the Jets started compiling that list. Remember, way back when I mean, it, it wasn't. They weren't compiling this one, you know, right when Adam Gase got fired. They realized that Adam was not going to be back with this team. They realized that Adam was not going to be this team's head coach in 2021. So they started doing the legwork and the early homework of guys that when time came to interview new coaches, these were going to be the guys that we wanted. This was basically our list of people that we want to talk to. And and Sala was on that list, but he was not number one on that list. And that changed as soon as the Jets met him. So they might have wanted Dable. They might have wanted Arthur Smith. They might have wanted some of these other guys. But when they talked to Robert Sala, that is when everything changed. That is when it went from, yeah, this is a guy we want to talk to, to, holy cow, I think we just found our next head coach. And you kind of started to understand why when you start to dissect what the Jets really wanted. And the two things that that really sold them, and, and there were a bunch, and we're going to get to them all, but the two things that really sold the Jets that this was their guy was he showed them a vision that he had for this team. He showed them that this is how I view our team looking next year. This is how I view our team looking over the next five to 10 years. This is what I want to be in on offense. This is what I want to be on defense. This is what I want to be on special teams. This is what I want other teams to say our identity is. And then he gave them the roadmap to get there. We need to accomplish this. We need to do this. We need to do that. He did all those things. Then what he did was he said, okay, these are my strengths. These are my weaknesses. This is the staff that I'm going to compile to complement my strengths and also improve my weaknesses. 
And he brought talk to them, obviously, is what's been announced already, is that Michael Floor is going to be coming to this team as their offensive coordinator. He showed a staff to the Jets of this is how I this these are the people that are going to help me get where I want to go. And the Jets heard those two things and were like, wow. And then you just talk to Robert Sala and you see that intensity. You see that passion. You see that fire and that hunger. And Joe Douglas looked at him and Christopher Johnson looked at him and Jaime looked at him and they were like, we're a team that has been out of the playoffs for a decade. We're a team that has become a laughing stock. We're a team that people kind of, I shouldn't say laughing stock. That's a little hard of a term, but we're a team that, that no one really takes seriously. No one in the AFC East says, let's watch out for the Jets. No one in the AFC says, let's look out for the Jets. No one looks at the Jets on their schedule and is fearful of it. They need a culture change. They need a shot of adrenaline. They need to be invigorated and lit on fire and, and excited again. And they heard this guy and Robert Sala talking and they heard him preaching and they said, you know what? That's the guy that should be the face of our franchise. And obviously, you know, players are going to be, whether it's Zach Wilson or Sam Darnold, player, you know, the player is always going to be the face of the franchise. But they said, this is the guy that is the perfect guy to get us where we need to be. And he sold him with his staff. He sold him with his vision. He sold him with his intensity and his fire and his passion. And the Jets said they wanted a CEO type. They wanted a guy to be a leader. They wanted a guy to help take them from this mess to one that's going to be a legitimate threat in the AFC. And they found it in Salah. They found it. They believe they've got their guy. And I'll be honest, man, if you're going to swing and miss, this is the guy you want to try to take a swing on because this is the fastball down the middle that you're like, I can hit this one and you're going to take a shot. The Not surprising, but it is incredible to see the reaction on Twitter in our chat right now, mm-hmm. just from people I know who are Jets fans texting, comparing this moment right now to two years ago and when Adam Gase was hired and the reaction of oh, the fan base. Polar opposite. And that's yeah. the thing is like, if you get the right guy, it doesn't matter what the fans think right yeah. away, right? It doesn't matter. Like he's the right yeah. guy. He's the coach. All right, here we go. But man, if you get the wrong coach, it's much better to, to go with the wrong coach that the fans liked. <laughs> that's for yeah. sure. All right. So you're right. As far as the process goes, you know, they stuck to it. They went through their first run of candidates and then they bring back Sala. And then they let him leave the building, and then they bring Arthur yeah. Smith back in. And I know there was a little panic there for people that wanted him to be the guy, but they stuck with the plan, I think, and that was to to have those two finalists. Um, I'm not sure if that was dumb or smart to let him leave the building. He, You know, the Eagles were next on the list, but they still got their guy. And it shows, I think it shows the confidence Joe Douglas has in what he's doing and his process. Yes. That, yes, that, that is, that's the key. That's the big thing is that Joe was not going to stray from, like you said, the process. Joe was not going to vary from the way that he believed was the right way to do things. And he said, Christopher Johnson said, everyone said that this was going to be a comprehensive uh, well-rounded, thorough search that the Jets were going to leave, and it's cliche, but the Jets were going to leave no stone unturned when they were trying to find their next guy. They were going to go to the college ranks. They were going to go to the coordinating ranks. They were going to bring in former head coaches, and they were going to talk to everyone until they believed that they had found their guy. And after their first round of interviews, they had kind of come down to 1A and 1B, and that was Arthur Smith and, and Robert Sala. Those were the two guys 
that this team liked a lot. And while the Jets fell in love with Robert Sala after that first Zoom meeting on, on January 8th, I believe it was, and he did nothing but validate those feelings when they met him in person on, on the 12th, which was uh, three days ago, three days ago now, but, but technically two days ago because none of us have slept. Um, they, uh, they, those, those feelings were all validated. They were still not going to say, forget everyone else. We're just, we're, we, we're hiring our guy. I mean, Joe is, Joe is, Joe is as meticulous as, as anyone I've, I've come in contact with. I mean, that's how he does his business. And, and for Jet fans, you gotta love that. I mean, you, you, you really do that. He was, he thought he found his guy, but he wanted to make sure, you know, he, he's not going to leave any I undotted or no T uncrossed. Like that is just the way that he's going to do business. And so he liked Salah. That's why he brought him in for a second interview. But they also liked Arthur Smith. That's why they brought him in for a second interview. A lot of people believe that Smith is is destined for the Falcons. That might very well be true. And that might have instigated this a little bit. But from what I understand, the Jets wanted to talk to the two guys. They talked to the two guys. And after they were done, they said, okay, we know who we want. Robert's our guy. We believe he's the right guy. We're willing to go all in on the guy with a five-year contract. I mean, that's a legitimate commitment. You're not, yeah. You ain't firing a guy after two years and then still paying him for another three. That's not happening. So when you're giving him a five-year contract, that's the, you're talking about an owner in Christopher Johnson that is not cheap, that is not uh, uh, taking the easy way out by any stretch of the imagination. He is going all in on this guy. And uh, they went and they got their guys. So I mean, honestly, and the one thing I will say about this coaching search, and I got a ton of of questions about it, right? And like, Towards the end, you kind of figured out like, okay, Salah is a front runner. They do like Arthur Smith. But through the majority of this process, there were very few leaks to the media. And it's my job to go find this stuff out. It's my job to ask questions. And it's my job to dig into the people that are in this front office to try to get scoops and try to get tidbits and try to get information and try to figure out the direction that this franchise is going. I'm, I'm not, this isn't a humble brag or a boast. I mean, I, I know a lot of people over there. I have a lot of people that I trust, a lot of people that I've known over the last so-and-so years. I did my digging. I tried to get my information. Whether it was internally by going to people that I know around the Jets, coaching agents, other reporters, other executives on other NFL teams, other coaches, this coaching search that the Jets conducted was as closed circuit as any. There were no leaks. There were no, they like this. There was no, they want that. There was none of that. And I think you have to get, as a reporter, I hate it because I, I want leaks. I want yeah. I want the squeaky wheel. Like, that's what I want. I want the squeaky wheel. It's going to talk to me and it's going to put me ahead of my competition. But you look across the board, whether it was every other outlet, whether it was national, like not I'm even talking about Post, ESPN, Newsday, myself, The Daily. I'm not talking about like local New York outlets where we're all keep competing against each other. What massive Jets scoop did ESPN, like I'm talking about Schefter, like like what, what massive, like, oh, the Jets want to do this, did they have? What one did NFL Network have? What one did, did Sports Illustrator, Monday yeah. Morning Quarter? I mean, the Jets conducted an interview with nine guys. They had a second interview with two of them, and there was zip coming out of there, like nothing. So, I mean, that's, I, I for me, I got to dig harder next time. Like, truthfully, <laughs> I got to dig harder. But if you're a fan and, and you want to know that there is a difference with this team. There is a change coming with this team. Things are, these are not the same old Jets or the Jets of yesteryear. There it is. This team talked to nine different guys and you can hear Pete from anyone. I mean, that is that is a, a sign that things are different with Joe Douglas than the way that they have been in the past. 
So the the Robert Sala that we know is the guy that's jumping up and down on the sidelines, right? Getting in guys' faces, smacking guys in the helmet, um, getting all riled up. Just that that pure intensity that he kind of brings, which plays great as a coordinator, not necessarily as great as a head coach. Do you think that's the head coach this guy is going to be? Or do you think we see a slightly different version of him during a game as the head coach? Uh, no, I, I think when you have that much passion and you have it's that real, much right? It's real. And you it is that, what it is. You don't fake that man. Yeah. Like you, like you, you don't, you don't, there's, there are some people that can, there are some people that can give off this perception that they're one kind of way, you know, they're, they're hard ass or they're tough or they're like, you can do that. When you watch 49ers games, that's not an act. That's not a stage. Like there, there are players that, you know, like they tend to know where the camera is. They know where, where all of these things, you know, so they play to the camera that's not what your defensive coordinator is doing. No, that is that is truly what what Robert Sala is, and and that's where I think he's different than Rex because Rex was somebody that would make the really brash comments in the media to grab the headline. You know, I'm not kissing any rings, and I'm nobody's little brother, and, and all that stuff, and we get him in trouble. Like when th- that's not what Robert Sala doesn't do what he does on the sideline. His passion is intensity. That's not happening on the sideline. Because he is, um, that's not happening on the sideline because he wants people to see him. And that's not happening on the sideline because he wants to go make a headline. Because then you go and you talk to him. And I, I talked to uh, Barrow, who covers the 49ers for us. I was like, what's he like with the media? When it kind of looked like it might be going this direction. And he made it pretty clear. He goes, he goes, oh, he goes, he's great with the media in terms of like, when you ask him a football question, he really gives you football answers. So if you want to know X's nose, he breaks it down. That wasn't Rex. Rex wasn't giving you X's nose. Rex was going to be like, you know, uh, F this guy and we're the best and we're going to, why aren't we the favorites? We're going to the Super Bowl. That was, that was Rex, you know, and this is not, Salah's like intense and passionate and that's how he's going to be on the sideline of, of Jets, of Jets games now. What I'm, what I need to see and it's what you don't see when you're a coordinator that I need to see as a head coach is, and I think it's, it's sort of what you were touching upon, Tim, is that he's going to be passionate. He's going to be intense. He's going to scream. He's going to yell. You're going to see that on the sideline. You know, the the muscles flexed and the screaming and all that. You're going to see all that. But can he take that intensity and passion and show it to the players and live in that and do that, but not let it impact his decisions? So when you're a coordinator, you defer to the head coach. So you're calling the defensive plays. You're getting your guys fired up. But when it comes time to make potentially game-changing decisions or game-altering decisions. You know, we're going to go for it here on fourth down or we're going to go for it or we're going to throw this. I want to be this intense or we're going to all out cover, call a cover zero with 10 seconds left, right? You have to defer to the head coach. Now with Salah being the head coach, there's no one, he's not deferring to anyone. I mean, people are now deferring to him. So I'm, I just, and it's not, again, I don't want people to be like, oh my God, Connor's criticizing it because of this or Connor's that or Connor blah, blah, blah. I don't want anyone to think that. I'm just kind of curious, like, will that will he be able to be passionate, intense, but not let that impact his game day decisions? Because you don't want that. You want that fire. You want that grit. You want intensity, but you don't want that fire, grit, and intensity to start having a negative impact by your decision. You know, suddenly you're going for it on fourth and eight at your own 30-yard line in a one-possession game. You know, like, you don't want to have to start doing silly things because you're just fired up. You're like, no, we're going to go punch him in the face. But from what I understand about Salah, what I understand about from, from people that have talked to Salah, I mean, you see the massive amount of tweets that are coming out now from ex 49er players. I mean, Joe Staley just sent one out and it says, I'm so damn excited for Salah. He is a leader, unbelievable man and coach. Can't wait to watch him turn around the Jets organization. 
Like, that's the guy that I think you're getting. And, and ultimately, what the Jets wanted, and I know people in that organization, they don't want to hear they need a new culture. You know, it's 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 a it's a it's a kind of leaves a, a negative connotation. That, oh, we need a culture rebuild because you know there there are people in that organization that have been there for a very long time that have been pa- part of these past cultures, and they don't want to say like, oh, it was terrible because guys do like. I mean, Mike McCagnan was a respected guy, and they liked him. Like, he's not a bad person, so you don't want to say like they had a toxic culture, but they did need a turnaround. They did need a change. They did need somebody that is going to come into this building and say, F the past, F the decade without the playoffs, F the people that don't believe in us. We are the Jets. This is a new team. We're not the same old Jets and we're not going to get punched in the mouth. We're going to punch people in the mouth. And I think when you watch Salah on the sideline of 49er games, when we get a chance to talk to him, when you see how his former players offensive and defensively feel about him, you see why the Jets went this move. They wanted a guy who's going to change the culture. They want a guy who's going to be intense and passionate. They want a guy who has a vision and can see it through. And I think they checked all of those boxes with uh, with with Salah. All right, we mentioned it a little bit at the top of the show, but Mike LaFleur is another big part of this equation, really, when you think about um, the defense and the offense. And, and Connor, you had, you had mentioned leading up to this that you would have preferred them go the offensive route for that stability. But one of the reasons... It seems like they didn't mind going the defensive route as far as the head coach is because he's going to bring Mike LaFleur with him. So LaFleur, for those who don't know who this guy is, 34 years old. He's Matt LaFleur, the Packers head coach's younger brother, um, and he's in that Shanahan offense with the 49ers, and he's going to come across with him. So you kind of know the offense that you're going to get, but this is a young guy, 34, that is a rising star as far as offensive minds right now. Huge hire. And yeah, you said that got so, man, like that got so twisted on me. Like, I mean, I, I, in the mat, I went from like, I feel like I was, I was in good relations with Jets Twitter. I feel like me and Jets Twitter, we were, yeah, they we turned were like on this. you. They definitely turned oh, on dude, you. Oh, dude. Cause we were, we were like this, man. We were playing video games together. I was, I like, we, we were saying it, Tim. You're like, you know, Ninja's got his name. Like, he's, he's Ninja. What are you going to be? Cause I'm all in this Twitch grind now. And it's like, I'm going to be Ginger. That's me. You're, he's Ninja. I'm Ginger. That's how we're going to roll. And, Jets Twitter was behind me all this. I was like, man, like my job's getting fun now. Like I don't have to worry about the whole like, oh my God, you said Adam Gase called one good play. That means you're you're an apologist for him and everyone's going to be down my throat about it. I didn't have to worry about that. Adam Gase was gone. This was a new coach coming in. And I made one little point about how like the only thing that would be in the back of my mind is that, you know, he's not an offensive mind. So you would have to, and whew, did people just jump? I mean, yeah, like that was... I was I was I was annoyed in general because my golf swing's been an utter disaster the last couple rounds. So I like I've been upset and I went to the range and I'm trying to fix my golf swing and now I've got like Jets Twitter blowing up my mentions about how terrible I am getting ratioed left, right, and sideways. I'm ready to delete my mentions. I'm like I can't handle this anymore. Like I thought we were all past this Jets Twitter and instead you're all like, y'all are killing me. But my whole thought process though is just like you have the offensive head coach who has his offensive scheme and that scheme stays there forever. So you might have the coordinator's chain, but that scheme is the same. So when you find your franchise quarterback, he stays in the same scheme. That would be my preference. If I had an offensive coach and a defensive coach, and after the interview process, these two people were exactly even. It was a dead heat. They were dead even. The same passion, same intensity, once offensive, defensive. My opinion, I go offensive just because I wouldn't want to worry about a change in philosophy like uh, what the Seahawks are going to have to deal with right now with Pete Carroll, where they've had one offense. Now they're changing it again, and Russell's going to have to learn a new offense. Like That's just something I wouldn't mind. Is that a, a damning factor on Salah? No. Is that a reason why I would not hire Salah? No. Is that a negative thing? No. It was just my personal opinion. With them now hiring Michael Floor, though, 
I will say that, like, obviously he's an up-and-comer. And if the Jets get to a point where their offense looks good, he's going to be one of the first people hired because he's young. You see what his brother's doing in Green Bay. He's going to be one of the guys that is eventually taken out and 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 uh, and, and gone. But if the Jets eventually – this was somebody what somebody tweeted me, and I thought it was an amazing point, is that if the Jets get to a point where people are hiring their offensive coaches, yeah. that's, a, that's a good problem Bravo. to have. And it is. It is. Yeah, it is. It's a good problem to have. And I like him a lot. I mean, it's, it's going to be a West Coast scheme, which I think, in my opinion, fits Zach Wilson's play style very well. I know uh, uh, Adam Schefter came out and said something about how, you know, he thinks the Jets are going to stick with Sam uh, at, at Salah's introductory press conference whenever we have that, whether it's probably early next week. Uh, we'll be able to ask him about that, see what they do at quarterback. But it's going to be West Coast. It's going to be inventive. I think you're going to see a lot of Kyle Shanahan in that. And that is a very good thing because until you get to – the fourth quarter, Kyle Shanahan's offenses are remarkable. I mean, they're detailed. They're um, intricate. They are exciting. They are de- – I mean, guys are always open, right? I mean, aren't those guys like, – guys are always open on his defense, on his offenses, and you're going to see that with the floor. And not only that, you're going to have a little bit of probably Green Bay Packer in there, a little bit of Shanahan in there. You might have a little Kansas City in there. I mean, it's going to be fun to watch this offense. And Wide receiver screens? The- no. Oh, if I'd never see another one of them, man, get them <laughs> out of here. Um, but I would say that I, I, I can't wait to see what the offense looks like. What I have no feel for yet is who will be running that offense. That is something that I just, I don't, I don't know about that one yet. I can't get a read on that yet. All right. So what's going on in the chat? What do people, what have we not covered yet? Um, everyone is dying to know about what does this mean for the quarterback situation? Yeah, we got What do these we moves mean for Sam yeah. Darnold? Is Zach Wilson, is Justin Fields, like, what can you tell us about that, Connor? That is the question that we can now officially ask and get an answer to. Because Joe had Joe Douglas has said the coach is going to have a major role in that. Christopher Johnson has said, I like Sam a lot, but I will not influence the decision. It's going to be, co- it's going to be Joe Douglas and the coach. Uh, Adam Schefter came out, and, and look, I... I I've been in this field since 2014. I've been a football fan for much longer than that. Adam Schefter is probably the most sourced uh, reporter in our business. I mean, when he doesn't, he doesn't say things off the cuff. Schefter doesn't say things just for the fun of it. Like he's not going to just throw something out there unless there's some merit or some base to it. So when he says on ESPN that he would be, quote, surprised, unquote, if Sam Darnold is not the Jets quarterback in 2020 uh, or 2021, I'm sorry, uh, there's something to that. Now, I will say that the Jets announced this hire at 1010. Uh, I made some calls to people I know within the organization. I made some calls to people that I know around the league to like build the story that we just ran on the Athletic about you know Sala being hired. Uh, I then had to do like a, not a humble brag. I know Marissa's going to get my ass about this, but I had to do like a TV hit. Flex. Then I and you just got actually a, asked a question why you didn't wear your nice jacket on this podcast. Like, do we not, do you not value us, my, us as well? I wanted to rep Rocky Hill in. Oh. I wanted to rep Rocky Hill in. wanted to go I, cash I said for I, the I podcast. Got, I, SN, SNY no, doesn't I went let to him wear t-shirts. Mm. No, I went, I went to, actually, no, I, when SNY asked me to come on, I was like, I got to, I got to do my hair. I need to like, <laughs> Get myself together. I need to change because I'm wearing an I drink and I know things t-shirt. And I don't think I can go on New York television with that. But uh, I, I did like the TV that I wrote the column that I hopped here on the podcast. So I personally have not made any calls or done homework yet on the Sam Darnold quarterback situation. So I can't say I spoke to this person. I spoke to that one. This is what they told me about Sam. This is what's going to happen with Sam. That's literally a call that I'm going to make as soon as we get off this podcast. I just haven't had a second to do it. 
Um, but when Schefter says he would be surprised, he's not saying that because he just, you know, feels like he's going to throw that out there and it'll make headlines and it'll do good views. Uh, that makes me think that Sam's going to come back in 2021 because of the reputation that I know that Adam has because of the reporter that I know that Adam is. Um, with that said, my opinion on the situation has not changed. I've seen enough of Sam Darnold. I'm, I, I, I don't know how you can rebuild this through free agency, use those draft picks and go into next year with Sam under center, feeling confident, knowing that no matter what happens, you're either going to have to pick up his fifth year option, which you probably will and pay him $25 million, or you're going to have to then pay him a massive contract, basically saying, okay, he had one okay year. If the Jets go eight and eight, 10 and six, nine and seven, whatever they do next year, I would move on. I would draft Zach Wilson or Justin Fields, whomever Joe Douglas believes is the franchise quarterback. I would, uh, in, uh, engulf myself in that rookie contract and build around. I think Zach Wilson in a West coast offense with LaFleur would be potentially dynamic. I think it would be potentially game changing. It could be a, a true perfect match of quarterback and coach for the next, however long until LaFleur is hired by someone to be someone else's head coach. I mean, I really think that matchup can work. I've seen enough of Sam over the last three years. I saw enough of Sam this year while he didn't have the playmakers, the offensive line was questionable, the coaching was there. I just don't know how you, desperately trying to start anew, desperately trying to get this thing righted, go into next season with the lowest rated quarterback in the NFL under center is like, okay, we're good to go now. Now, that doesn't mean that the Jets won't draft another quarterback as well. That doesn't mean they won't take someone in the second round or even take someone with that Seahawks pick, maybe Trey Lance. Uh, or maybe trade back up and get another quarterback if they start to fall. That's not what any of that means. But if Schefter's saying it, I tend to believe it. I still have to talk to people. I still have to make my calls. I still have to test the organization. We still, as a as a media corporation, we all need to talk to Sal at his introductory press conference. Um, but I don't think, I don't. I personally wouldn't. I would start new with a new quarterback. But when Schefter's saying that, I think there's some merit to it. Yeah, certainly. I. I... I agree with that as well. So um, beyond quarterback, and that's obviously the offensive side, Salah is a defensive guy. So when you look at this Jets defense and the pieces that they have in place that you hope will be there for a while, Quinn and Williams having the year that he had and, and you know Marcus May, if they can bring him back. When you look at that unit overall, who benefits the most, do you think, from a guy like Salah coming over and bringing you know, the type of defense that he had with the 49ers, which is, you know, confusing quarterbacks a lot and a lot of misdirection pre-snap and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I think um, Quentin Williams will benefit. Uh, Quentin Williams just because he's an up-and-coming dominant player. Um, I think you can see uh, Jabari Zuninga benefit. I think that'll be there fully. Fatu Kasi will benefit. I think a lot of the high-intensity players that, that Greg Williams loved, they will benefit as well because, again, this is another high-energy, intense player. But when you... Look at the Jets' defense. They are not a, a defense that's very talented, and they're not a defense that is without holes. I mean, it's it's easy for me to look at the Jet offense and say, if they do these sit, these things, that will not only be a functional offense, but that has the chance to be a good, and if LaFleur is as good as people believe, a very, very good offense. And and what I mean by that is, um, what I mean by that is, like, you, you sign Joe Tooney, you got a guard. You sign Allen Robinson, you got a receiver. You add Marlon Mack, you got a running back. You draft another guard in free agency. Suddenly, I think your offense is good. It's not, I'm not saying it's perfect. You can still tinker and stuff, but the offense is good. 
when you switch to the other side of the ball with the defense, people are going to benefit, as you said. Quinn is going to benefit. Foley will benefit. Players like that will benefit. But the Jets need multiple pieces. So I think some of the players that will benefit most from Salah's hire are players that aren't here yet. Yeah, like they're not. Like the Jets need. I know people like Bless Austin and they like the potential of Bryce Hall, but like. You can't go into next season with Bless Austin and Bryce Hall as your two starting corners. And even if they bring back Brian Poole, like you need one, potentially two starting corners. You're probably not going to find that free agency, so you're going to have to look towards the draft. You don't know what you have at C.J. Mosley, so if you really don't know that, you probably need another starter next to him, behind him, or also just bring back Neville Hewitt. You need a pass-rushing outside linebacker still. You probably need somebody else opposite him if you choose not to bring back Jordan Jenkins or Terrell Basham. So there's a lot of holes on this defense. I think there's more holes on the Jets' defense than there is the Jets' offense. So there's going to be uh, – it's going to take a little bit longer to say, like, oh, these players will benefit just because I think, like I said, a lot of players that will benefit are the ones that aren't here yet. Any other questions, Marissa, from the uh, chat that we can throw out? I think we're in a good place. I, We've covered this pretty thoroughly. Yeah, I mean, I think the one thing I'll say, I, it, it seems like excitement in the chat. Like, I feel like the overall mood here is, like, really good. I feel like Jets fans are looking forward to this. Like, they're excited for what this season could bring with so, they should. Well, and it's it's pretty cool because we started doing these on YouTube back in the spring. Yeah, um, around the draft. And those, I think right before you the know, draft. there was some momentum. The draft, views. there was excitement in yeah. the summer. But like you know, since since August or since the first week of September until now, this this podcast, this chat on YouTube has it's been like a place for people to come and just like vent and yeah. be miserable because of this team. And it's pretty awesome seeing it and the excitement that's around this team right now with this hire. And, and hopefully it's the right one going forward. And I think it's, it's good for everyone, man, because like I always, people always say that. Cause like, and people are going to get on me in the chat as soon as I say this for like the 17th time, but like I didn't grow up a Jets fan. Mm-hmm. I'm not a Jets fan. Now I'm a reporter and I, I, I cover the Jets because that's who my boss tells me to cover. And if, you know, someone says, Hey, we'll give you, more money to go cover another team. I'm gonna go cover another. But team. But you'll say just, I'm taking the podcast with me. <laughs> we're all going. I'm ta- oh, oh yeah. Marissa and Tim, they're a package deal. We're going. We're going to the next one like this. Connor won't um, know his email but I think password what's... if I don't come with them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. It's true. That's not here. Not wrong. It's true. But like they, it's 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 tough because like I said, I have covered this team since 2014. There was a, a slew of of people that I followed when I first started covering this team because. I didn't grow up a Jets fan. I don't know Jets history. So I didn't really have a pulse of the fan base because I didn't know that many Jet fans. So I followed people like like Dom and and Drew and and uh, Jude and like uh, Turn on the Jets Joe and like a bunch of different like uh, a bunch of different guys like that because these were people that were Jet fans. These were people that had suffered with the team and there were a ton more and, and I'm sure I'm missing some. I probably followed like 20, 25 of them. But these were people that knew the team and I could follow them. And I still follow them to this day. And I've seen like the the roller coaster of emotions that they've gone through and you kind of feel for them, you know, because it's like it looks good, but then it goes bad. Then it looks good. Then it goes bad. Then it looks good. Then it goes bad. Then this quarterback might be it. Then he fails. Then it's this quarterback. Then he fails. And I always say like when people ask me like, oh, what's it like? Like, you know, do you ever want the Jets to win? I'm like, I never go into a game saying like, I want the Jets to win this game ever. But I do want the Jets to be a successful team because I do see what the Jet fans have gone through. I see the, like the turmoil that they've been and how much they invest themselves in this. And I want them to see someone successful because I, I think they deserve it. And also that, selfishly, the hell of a lot more fun to cover a team that's good. I mean, the chat that's like this, like this, this chat, like how freaking fun would this be yeah. to have this every Monday and Thursday when we do the pod? Like how fun would it be to go on a Monday show after a win when we're talking about the playoffs and when they clinch a playoffs? Look what the Bills 
experience this year and the Browns experience this year and Marissa experienced with the Browns this year as a teaser to last pod to go watch. <laughs> like, like we can, we could have that. Like we could cover a jet playoff run and people are going crazy over it. Like I would really love to see that. And I think that when the Jets hired Joe Douglas, they took, I should say, actually when Christopher Johnson took over for Woody Johnson, I think it was a step in the right direction because I, I know people are going to like be like, what are you talking about? But like when Christopher took over, he stopped the meddling. He stopped, he, he hired people that he trusted. And that was like, he hired, he trusted some wrong people, but he hired people he trusted and he let them do their jobs. And he didn't say like, I want this guy, go get Darrell Rebus or go get Tim Tebow or anything like that. He said, if you think this is the right move, here are all of the resources you need. Go do it. I'll buy a hotel for you guys. Like pretty much he did in training camp, yeah. whatever you need to do to be successful, I'll do it. And that was the first step. And then when he brought in Joe Douglas, that was the second step. And now when they have Robert Sala and his passion, his intensity, is he the perfect coaching candidate? No, I don't think he's the perfect coaching candidate because there are some flaws there in, in, in him as a coach. But I think he's the perfect coaching candidate for the Jets because his positives so outweigh his negatives for what the Jets need right now. They need that new face of the franchise. They need the energy. They need the infusion of life and excitement. And I think that this guy is going to give them that on the sideline. I mean, he's got the face for it. He's got the look for it. He's got the voice for it. This is what the Jets need right now. And it started when Christopher took over, went to when they hired Joe. Now they got Robert Sala in here. And I think that I genuinely do believe that the Jets are in the right direction. And it's going to come down to now what they're going to do at quarterback. They have to make that decision right. There's going to be a bunch of other stuff in here, but they're headed it. They're they're like they're they're on the track. They're going there, and I've said it before where I think they're going to turn the corner. I think they're going to turn the corner. I don't know if this is turning corner year, but I think they're finally set up to do it, where they got the coach, the GM, the owner's the right man. Like they, they, it's, all, it's all trending in the right direction. I do genuinely believe that. Yeah, all the picks to go with it and plenty of money to spend as well. So it does feel like the, the talent level on the field, the coaching, it's all going to be better in 2021. Good way to start this season. Hopefully we'll have full stadiums of people once we get to the season two to, to enjoy it. Uh, thank you to everybody joining us. Uh, late night, or if you're waking up with the podcast on Friday morning, thanks for tuning in as well. Glad we could bring it to you. The Jets have their guy, Robert Sala, and we will see where it goes from here. Um, you can still get a great deal if you want to join The Athletic or theathletic.com slash the Can't Wait Podcast. You can join right now for just $3.99 per month. Read all of Connor's great work, including the piece he put out tonight about Robert Sala taking over. And, and from here, all the pieces that will be coming up as well as we get ready for the draft and free agency and everything else. If you don't already, follow us on Twitter as well. Connor's at Connor underscore J underscore Hughes. I'm at Tim M. McMaster. And Marissa is at Marissa underscore Morris. This has been a lot of fun. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next week to talk about the introductory press conference. And away we go. Thanks for tuning in.